Dorothy became an organic gardener during this time and had a large, really large garden. And we all got to work in it. Um, she wanted to get bees to help pollinate everything. And Mark, well, he became the beekeeper. He studied and taught himself how to tend the hives and harvest the honey. I remember tasting the first honey that he spun out of those honeycombs. When Mark was a teen, he loved listening to the carpenters. And the year he finished high school, he bought his first car. It was a white 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner with burnt orange vinyl interior. The V8 engine, I think it was V8, in idle had this low rumble that hinted at its muscle. And it only got about 10 miles per gallon. And the car's horn beeped like the Roadrunner on the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Uh, Mark pampered that car, he washed and waxed it, and he parked it in the barn to keep it out of the elements, but too, bar too bad, the barn didn't have a door, and that ancient barn had a whole lot of cracks in the siding. Uh, while he was at Hutchinson Community College, he took classes to learn to fly, and he got his pilot's license. He also took a class called Man in the Kitchen. Since that time, Mark has enjoyed cooking, and was really good at it. He and Valerie are hospitable, Valerie with conversation and sharing and catching up, and Mark kind of quietly sitting there until it's time for food, and it always is plenty and an abundance of flavor. To the, in addition to these hobbies that I've already mentioned, Mark was a connoisseur of good bicycles. He loved to ride. Uh, his interest inspired him to participate in the bike across Kansas for several years. He loved neon lights. He loved to create drinks and to cook using a plethora of kitchen gadgets. He loved spicy food and would put different kinds of sauces on anything. I remember Mark's love of gadgets as a little kid. Um, um, I'll have to tell about that later. But the first thing, what one thing about gadgets is when he grew up, uh, that interest meant, translated into the manufacturing process of Gregory Incorporated. So when he was a teenager, Maybe, I think even before he was old enough to drive, dad would take him to study with a tube bender. A tube bender is somebody who does neon, neon tubes and signs. Mr. Don Necessary in Hutchinson. And Mark learned to do neon, he did it for the company. He learned photographic processes to make screens for screen printing. He was instrumental in selecting and bringing online much of the new equipment and processes in Gregory Inc.'s manufacturing operation. He clearly enjoyed learning how things work, testing their capabilities, getting them into operation. 3D printing was his latest manufacturing interest. But Mark used his uh, technology interests for creativity too. He learned photography as a student at HCC, and he took my senior pictures actually. He used his screen printing skills to make screened art. He made a neon sculpture. In more recent years, he used digital printers to print his own photography. Sarah says that uh, Mark passed on this same sort of thing to Andrew. Uh, she liked to see how, uh, Mark and Andrew both liked to see how to take part, things apart and put them back together. And when Sarah came in the summer with her son Chris, he would hang out with Andrew. And Chris was enamored with how Andrew, how much Andrew knew um, and how he could make like reactions and things. Um, and Sarah said that's, he got it from Mark. Mark was made by God as a loyal and responsible person who was perseverant. He was consistent and dependable. 
The number one way Mark showed his love for others was in taking care of them. He always looked for ways to take care of needs, often behind the scenes, not only for his family, but for his friends, his co-workers, his community. He believed that serving others was the way to honor God, and he lived that out as faith in action. Sarah remembers that because Mark was the only one of our siblings living in Bueller in the last few years, he took special care of our mom, um, just looking after her, tending to her needs. And just in the last couple of years, he would call her every evening at 9 o'clock just to make sure she was okay. He'd get her groceries. Uh, she was just, he was someone she could just count on. And he didn't blow his horn about it. He just did it. God made Mark fun. Mark's wit was one thing that defined him. Most people's first impression was that he was serious and knowledgeable. But often his sense of humor took people off guard. Sarah said you could always count on him to say something lighthearted and humorous when we were around the table at Thanksgiving, saying what we were thankful for. Um, Mark loved movies, and Todd and I enjoyed watching many with him and Valerie over the years. One of my earliest memories with Mark and his gadgets and his fun was that I probably, I was around four or five, he took a boot box and inside, and he'd covered it with metal foil, and he'd installed a crank generator from an old-time telephone in there. Um, he would turn the crank and build up a charge that he routed with wires to different parts of this box lid to make it hot. Um, and then he invited me to touch it. <laughs> it was a jolting experience. Mark once, once owned, owned a horse named Daffy. I just think that's funny. I don't know if Mark didn't like playing games or he just liked playing them his way. In recent years when we play games um, like the family game or three rounds, he was notorious for ignoring the rules. So frustrated. Throwing in some chaos just to keep it interesting. Sometimes, though, we laugh so hard with what he came up with. God made Mark a terrific father. Leah remembers when she would get out of the bathtub and be bundled up in her towel. Um, he would cuddle her. And uh, she said, you know, Mom gave me the bath and, when, bath, and when I got out, she wrapped me, and I would run and find Dad wherever he was, and I'd jump up in his lap to get warm. Um, and sometimes he'd tickle me, too. And at some point, I'd tell him to stop it and run, run off to put on my pajamas. All of the kids remember Mark would come up come in and put them to bed each night. He'd lay on the bed next to them individually, each one, and ask about their days, answer their questions. One of Claire's notorious questions, notorious, famous, can a ladybug be a boy? And he would pray with them. Most of the time, he would fall asleep beside them, uh, one of them, uh, during the process. He could fall asleep anywhere. The kids also have fond memory of family vacations. They look forward to those times. They didn't take them every year, but when they did, they were great. And Mark always had an itinerary for every day, and they were educational. They would go to any museum or factory tour in the area where they went, and they all had these hats. And on their vacation, they would get their tourist pins and cover their hats. Um, they went to Las Vegas, uh, to Colorado, Chicago, visited family in some other states. Um, I love this. When they were in Las Vegas, they were in a fender bender, and the kids remembered that the door was closed, had to be held closed with a bungee cord, and they pulled into the Ritz-Carlton in a dented-up jalopy. They drove all the way back to Kansas that way. Um, they went to the Ethel M. Chocolate Factory 
the Ocean Spray Factory, Navy Pier, the Art Institute, the American Girls Store, um, Garden of the Gods, Pikes Peak, Cave of the Winds, and on and on. One time they stayed in a log cabin in Colorado on the side of a mountain outside of Colorado Springs and they had bought slingshots. And their log cabin was above a road and there was a gorge on the side and they would just shoot their slingshots over the road, which was really fun. Um, Mark always documented their days with video, asked them what they did that day on vacation and just he just let them talk. Um, Andrew remembers his dad too, family vacations for sure. But he just remembers like the every week kind of thing. He said, we'd, I'd go with dad to get critter food. Mark put out food for birds and raccoons and all these different animals that come around their property. Andrew said he just, he just went places with dad. He was just with dad. Christmas mornings were memorable. He'd video the kids describing every gift that they received probably because Valerie did the shopping and he didn't know yet what he'd given them. <laughs> Sundays were special. He made sure they got to church. He started with the big breakfast at home, uh, Ken's Pizza afterwards, car talk and Prairie Home Companion in the car. Um, and weekends, sometimes he'd take the kids up to the business because Valerie homeschooled all week, gave her a break. The kids would rollerblade around the production floor in Gregory Incorporated, grab Mark's change and go down to the vending machines and get all that good sugar. Uh, Claire wanted us to know that she was born when Mark was 40 um, and um, that she believes that he saved the best for last. But Claire also is honest and she said, Mark was proud of all his kids and his grandkids. God gave Mark the fun of teaching and helping others. One of the times in Mark's life that I've mentioned is that he was a lifelong learner. Whatever he took an interest in something, he would study it in depth. He'd never do anything halfway. These are traits he instills in his children. Leah learned to cook. She's a great cook, chef, baker. He'd watch, she'd just watch him, stir fry, do whatever. She watched his experimentalness in the kitchen, she said. It was fascinating. He grew sprouts um, that they would eat in salads. He learned to make his own root beer. One interest after the other, always wanting to try something new. Claire said she remembered her dad teaching her all of life's practical lessons, how to fill up a car with gas, how to manage your money, how to change a tire, which she said didn't stick for her. Anytime she had an adult question said, I'd ask him. And all that stuff nobody teaches about like health insurance and stuff. And when I was out of the house, he was my go-to for grown-up questions. Um, one time she said when she was being taught to drive by Mark, instead of hitting the brakes, she hit the accelerator and almost hit the garage. And I quote, he shrieked like a little tiny baby girl. <laughs> and then he apologized. <laughs> Leah said, when I got my first job, dad made it a point to tell me that it was important to be responsible with money. He taught me how to budget and manage things. I went to him with math problems when I was homeschooled. He also knew that I was shy, but needed to build confidence in my ability to speak to others, that it was something important, an important life skill I needed. 
so I had to face those fears. And he knew this himself, how hard it was to get up and speak, because it was hard for him too. He wanted me to learn how, so he encouraged me to take speech. I did, and I still have such great memories of that class. The kids said Dad would let us use a camcorder, and we'd make all these fun videos. We'd dress up. We'd create weird newscasts. And he would just buy the tapes in bulk, and we would just go through them. The girls actually thought the camcorder was theirs, and it wasn't. God, uh, God made Mark a cool granddad. Mark would spoil his grandkids by letting them do things they only got to do when visiting. Deanna and Oliver remember going to McDonald's and getting pancakes with lots of syrup. Lily remembers a trip with granddad for ice cream. They drove around a roundabout, and they went all the way around and said, Wee! And Gabriel remembers a trip to Stratica Mine Museum. It was a lot of fun, and how funny his granddad was. The, granddad, the grandkids believe that Mark knows everything. A common phrase used in Lindsay's family when the kids ask a question that she and Dave don't know the answer to, well, we should ask granddad. He probably knows. And they would send a text, which would be followed by a text back from Mark, and he would usually know the answer. God made Mark a terrific husband. All these things we're celebrating about Mark also made him a good husband, a man Valerie admired and cherished, a man who loved her by serving her too and creating fun and joy, and so much more that is only known and held by her in her heart today. Lastly, God made Mark his own. Mark was a private person. He liked his private world. It was his space, but it was not an empty space. It was full and it was spiritual. Mark got up every morning quite early to spend time with God. He read his Bible. He read Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. He read Jesus Calling, and Valerie told me that Mark prayed a lot. Since the kids were young, he got them all to church, but he, and he was so pivotal in the kids' spiritual lives and grounding them. As I said, he prayed with them as, at bedtime. As a youngster, Lindsay wrote a note to her parents as a multiple choice or a yes, no answer question. Can you help me ask Jesus in my heart? Yes, no. The answer was yes, of course. Something for which Valerie is truly grateful is from Andrew's life. There was this traveling ministry that came, team that came here to MB Church a number of years ago when Andrew was a little guy. They put on plays that included members of the congregation and Valerie acted in one of them, which was about when a person dies and whether they go to heaven or to hell. And it made Andrew think, and he asked if he could accept Jesus. And Mark got to lead Jesus, Andrew to Jesus. And their dog, Angel, sat quietly beside them throughout that sacred moment as Mark and Andrew talked about Jesus, and Jesus became real to Andrew. And then Valerie told me again, Mark prayed a lot, a lot. He loved all of you. Can we pray? Jesus, cast a look on us here today. Give us grace to fight with your power for joy and beauty. Not just today, but tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. Thank you for the beautiful thing you made of Mark's life, of his marriage, of his family. Thank you that, Jesus, that you're making all things new and that Mark's life is for us especially 
one more example of how you're doing that and how you've done that. Jesus, let us not forget you or forget this. Let us not forget that you are gentle and lowly of heart and full of compassion, the bearer of our burdens and the source of our joy. Amen. Well done. Very well done. Thank you for that tribute. So I, my name is Brent, and I was one of the pastors here uh, for 15 years from 1990 to 2005. And I was uh, the ripe old age of 27 when I got here. And I soon heard about Mark Gregory, the mayor of Bueller. <laughs> and uh, I found out that, he, that later on he would serve, I think, on the council. And he was part of this company, Gregory Incorporated. And uh, he was about a decade older than me. And so I just stopped by one day and said, hey, can we start meeting. And we started meeting for years, weekly, every other week. But I don't know how many times I would go over to Gregory Incorporated and go to his office. And uh, I just sat with him and talked. And he talked. And we'd vent a little. And we'd pray together, talk about anything and everything. Mark and I are very, very different in personality and in just perspectives. We don't agree on everything, but I'm telling you, there was a bond of friendship there that was forged, and it remained through the years. Uh, and so it really is uh, my honor to uh, share a bit today. Mark was steady. Uh, he had that big old mustache, and sometimes you just look at you and you think, what are you thinking? You know? Uh, he was one of these guys, uh, he could have a really, really good day at work or a really, really bad day at work, and he'd go home and look the same. Like, he was just steady. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I'd think, Mark, do you feel anything? <laughs> like, do you have feelings? And <laughs> he did, deeply. But he was a private person. And he wasn't an ex a high expression person, but he was a steady, hold the course kind of guy. Uh, he was calm. His advice, uh, unlike mine, came after he thought about it. Um, he was wise. I would, uh, uh, again and again, um, come with issues from, you know, this, what do I do here? I'm young, and he's this seasoned leader, and he would just sit there and look at me. I think, are the synapses sparking up there, Mark? Because he was just thinking. But then he'd come back with the right, wise answer. He was steady. So 1 Corinthians 16, 13, it says, stand firm in the faith. I think, way to go, Mark. Steady. You don't get blown by the, the tumult of the day. Your faith isn't shook. Way to go, Mark. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says we should be steadfast and immovable. Mark just wasn't, 
He wasn't a little sapling that would get blown about by the winds of the day. He was a steady oak tree, planted deep, quiet, private, but bring it on, and he will stand firm, immovable. I think, way to go, Mark. Ephesians 6.13 says, take your stand against the enemy, the devil. And it's like Mark in his quiet way, big mustache. He'd stare at the enemy. He said, bring it on, I'm here. And I'm going to stay standing. You know, he was just steady and strong and unwavering. It was his personality uh, and it was his faith. Val, I don't, I don't begin to imagine, you know, the pain that you or kids are going through. Um, never lost a spouse. Um, and there are a thousand ways, Valerie, that you're going you're gonna to miss your husband. And one of those is he was your rock. Like he was your steady anchor. Um, now, what I'm about to say, Val, I mean in the best of ways. You're not like that. Okay? Uh, your personality as God wired you. A good day, it's going to show. And a bad day, it's going to show. It didn't show on Mark. Right? But God gifted you with that man. And over all these years that you've been with him, he has been your steady anchor. He's been your rock. And uh, goes without saying, you're going to miss him more than words can say. So boats have an anchor. And boats that aren't tied to the dock, boats need an anchor whether they're in calm waters or rough waters. Now, if you just put a boat out in a pond without an anchor, on calm days, with calm, it'll drift slow, but it will drift. And if you don't want your boat to drift, you anchor it, even in calm waters. And spiritually, in those good seasons when all is well and the sky is blue and the grass is green and, and life is good, the waters are calm. If you aren't still anchored, you will drift. The drift will be slow. It will be less noticeable. But given enough time, you will find yourself in dangerous places. You see, even when the days are good, you need an anchor spiritually because we're all going to be blown slowly toward dangerous waters. And of course, you need an anchor in the turbulent times and um, when the winds are blowing and the waves are high. And that's where you find yourself uh, today, Valerie. Um, the turbulent waters, it's grief, like what we're walking in now. It's uh, the heartache of broken relationships. It's financial stress. It's addiction. I mean, there's there's a, a hundred ways that the waters are rough in our life. And of course, we need an anchor then. And spiritually, um, that's what we're called to do. Find some anchors to keep us from being pulled into the dangerous places in the storm. 
Now, God has always had a strategy and, uh, for how to stay anchored, and it's vertical and horizontal, okay? So God's strategy has always been calm waters are rough, you need to anchor vertically to him. And calm waters are rough, you need to anchor horizontally to people. And Val, you've lost your primary anchor horizontally. And honestly, no one's going to make up for Mark. So your life is going to be very different from here on. I'm sorry, but... So do everything you can, and to all of us, we do what we can to anchor vertically. And how do you do that? And I, I don't have all the answers. I just think at least just start by saying, Lord, these are turbulent waters. And I, I'm just going to say it out loud. I trust you. I hate what you've done. I don't like it. I don't understand it. I wish it were different. But you saved my soul and my husband, my friend, my dad, my grandfather. He's in heaven. I declare that. I believe that. And somehow, however I'm supposed to do it, I want you to give me peace and strength and keep me from being blown into the waters of depression and anger and bitterness and rebellion. Because if you don't have a spiritual anchor and you're in those kinds of waters, you're going to end up in discouragement and you're going to end up in depression and anger and bitterness. And it, those winds will take you there. So we anchor ourselves to God. Your husband did that every morning. And then is the anchor horizontally. Uh, it's interesting in, in Genesis, it was just Adam and God. And you'd think that that would be enough, right? A vertical anchor. God knew we needed horizontal anchors. It's not that he's not enough. He's our ultimate for salvation, but he knows we need human anchors. So to the kids... Uh, this will be your privilege. Uh, the commandment to honor your father and mother was spoken primarily to adults. And your call is to be one of the horizontal anchors for your mom. Right? Jen, uh, by the Lord's uh, uh, wisdom, he decided to come back from Romania right now. And you have been a horizontal anchor. Some of you are close with Val. Others aren't. You don't have to wait for her to ask you to be an anchor. You just send her a card, a note, an email. You send her a text. You, you give her a DoorDash certificate. You, you do something that will, will show that you care. Like we need to step in, not only to Val, but the kids, and we need to be anchors for each other because this has always been God's strategy. Calm waters or rough. You anchor up and you anchor across with God and with other people. So uh, I was reminded in a conversation prior to the service that at Leon's service that I officiated at quite a number of years ago, I quoted some verses from Ecclesiastes 7, so I decided we're going to just end with these. So we're moving from the anchor idea, okay, to this. In Ecclesiastes 7, it says, uh, 
better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. And then this kicker right here. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. And it's almost an, ab an abrasive kind of tone here. Like it's almost disrespectful of the grief. But it's true. Birthday parties are more, more fun, but funerals are more meaningful. I mean, at a birthday party, you never ask the hard questions. What's my legacy? What will they say about me? Am I ready to meet Jesus? Am I going to heaven or hell? Uh, how have I lived my life? Have I made any difference at all? You don't ask those questions at a birthday party. But there's a lot better chance that you're sitting out there and you're, you're going to ask those questions here. You're saying, what if that were me? Like, what if I suddenly died on the way to a store? And so, this is a good place to be today. Painful, not a lot of fun, but it's a really good place to be. And I wonder, what would Mark say to us today? Like, who am I, right? I, but I'd like to think that he'd look at you and he says, well, you're going to be okay. Stay the course. Stay anchored. You're going to be okay. And I know that he'd say, it's a good thing to think a lot about death. It's a good thing. After all, death is the destiny of all of us. And we better make sure we're ready. That we've given our life to Christ. Sought his forgiveness. I mean, Buddha's not going to save you. Muhammad's not going to save you. Lord knows you're not going to save you. You can't make that leap to heaven. There's just one name, and he's Jesus. And he would say, he'd say, choose Jesus. He'd say, choose Jesus. So to Val and the family, uh, again, our deepest sympathies. We're so sorry. This was so sudden. You had no chance to say goodbye. Uh, no warning. And that makes it all the harder. With God's help and the help of others around, you're going to do okay. It's going to be the darkest days you've ever faced, but you're going to be okay. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll close. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give comfort to Valerie and the kids and the grandkids. Thank you for the life of integrity and faith that Mark uh, exemplified for us. Thank you for his steadiness, that he, um, he lived his life anchored to his Lord, 
and he appreciated the anchor of those around him. And he was an anchor for so many of us. I know I say that personally. He was such an anchor for me in my leadership, in my faith. Um, so uh, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for blessing me and us here with, with the privilege of knowing Mark. And please be with uh, Val and the family in these dark days. Um, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, from Jonathan's story, uh, you heard that, uh, of course, Mark had this wit, and he would just surprise people every now and then with things he did, but um, we're going to close with a song that has special meaning for the family. Uh, like a lot of families getting ready for church, uh, it's not always the most sin-free time of the week. Uh, with the stress and the chaos and yelling to get ready and get in the car or whatever. But uh, often, uh, you know, they would have that normal, let's get to church, you know, chaos going on. And they would get into the car and um, Mark would play this Highland Cathedral song. It's a bagpipe song. Like, what's with that? Right? But he would play it. And... Uh, Partly because he liked it, partly because he wanted to torment the kids, partly because, I don't know why, but he would play this, all right? And as they're driving to church, he would look in the rearview mirror, and there's the typical eye-rolling and moaning. Um, as the song crescendoed, he would also turn up the volume, like to full blast. And he'd have this Mark smile, looking in the rearview mirror at the kids and uh, ears covered as fate would have it the song would end appropriately uh, as they pulled into church um, the irony is that the kids uh, hearts were a little more tuned and ready for church um, ready to worship and it was one of these family things so we're going to uh, close with that. Um, just an announcement. Uh, the family is, um, we're not going to have a reception. Uh, and the family's uh, not going to be greeting uh, out in the foyer. The most meaningful thing you could do for them, okay, it would mean so much for them, is to write a memory card. Um, you can write a blessing to Valerie or the kids, a note or a memory about Mark, but there's a table right out here in the foyer, and um, they would so much appreciate if you would spend the time to jot a quick note uh, to the family or a memory uh, about Mark. That would be very, very much appreciated. So again, uh, my thanks on behalf of the family for coming. Uh, they deeply appreciate it. Val? family. We love you. You ready for the Highland Cathedral? Okay, a good memory. Let's play that song and then the family will be dismissed.